morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning. If you would please take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Chronicles 28. 2 Chronicles 28. Or if you have your harmony, we're on page 41, section 65. Because the record we're going to learn about today actually comes from three different books. It comes from 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, and the book of Isaiah. So we're going to spend some time in each of these different books this morning. But before we dig in, if I could see, there we go, we see our timeline. Now we love our timeline, don't we? Oh, God. I was concerned I was the only one. Um, I love timelines because it helps me to understand how things fit together. And being an American, we are very chronological-minded people. Um, not everyone in the world is like that, you know, but us Americans, we are. And so timelines help us. And so we can see these kings here. Now, <clears throat> there's a lot of detail on this chart, and that's why in your harmony we've included a timeline, and also you can get this timeline um, on its own in a little fold-out sheet. And if you have lost that or you need one, um, let me know. Um, I'll print one for you. Um, I don't want to print a whole bunch, just distribute them so that they end up lost in a pew or lost in your Bible case. But if you would use it and would like to have it, let me know, and I'll print you one so you can see it right there in your own lap. And I keep it with my Bible because just in general, I'll be reading somewhere and I'll read something about the king and one of the prophets. And I'm like, no, I don't remember that king. Um, and so I look at the timeline and it helps me to remember who the kings are. So this is the timeline that we have. And where are we at in this timeline today? Well, we've been learning about Isaiah, right? So we know it's somewhere in that time. And if we were to bring a line in here, we're right in this time period here. Where we're going to find ourselves today is still during the days of Pekah up here, but during the days of Ahaz down here in Judah. Somewhere within these few years is when this event takes place. Do you remember the history here of these kings? We had Uzziah, and for the most part, he was a godly king. His life is summarized as one who walked in the ways of his father. But he did have some major problems, particularly the root problem of pride, didn't he? He was proud, especially when he marched into the temple offering strange fire, for which God disciplined him for. And he was a leper. Well, that was Uzziah. And he lived a long time and reigned a long time. And his son Jotham, does anybody remember, was he a good king or a bad king? Good or bad? He was a good king. He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And it tells us that he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, but as soon as it tells us that he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, back in 2 Chronicles 27 and um, verse 2, it tells us, that yet the people, the people did yet corruptly. The people were wicked people, even though the king was a godly king. That was Jotham. And remember I gave you a spoiler when we learned about Jotham and I told you that when the people did yet corruptly, 
I told you that among the people, it included his own son. Ahaz was one of the people who did yet corruptly. And last time we were here in this, we read of his corruptness. For it tells us in 2 Chronicles 28, verse 1, that Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, but he did that which was... No, he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images for Balaam. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burnt his children in the fire after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He sacrificed also and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Oh, this is King Ahaz. I'll tell you, he's the worst of all the kings of Judah. Horrific reign of Ahaz. The worst of what was described as he's the one who burned his children in the valley of Hinnom. He sacrificed his own children to Moloch, a false god, might I say a demon. Ahaz was wicked, 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 wicked. And one day, God came to the prophet Isaiah and he told Isaiah, go to King Ahaz, preach to King Ahaz. Now, how many of you would like that job? Hmm. Remember Isaiah's response when he was first called? What was his response? Here am I. Send me. And God even told them that they're not going to listen. In fact, it's going to be as if their ears and your message will actually make them harder and shut up their ears. And they won't listen and they won't obey. It's a risky business going in before a king who worships pagan gods, a king who has such lack of sympathy that he even burns his own children to demons. That sounds like a scary guy to go to, doesn't it? But you know what, Isaiah? Just as he was earlier in the days of Jotham, a godly king said, here am I, send me. On this day, the same is true. In 2 Kings chapter 16, it tells us that a plot is forming. I need to introduce you to some people, and, and I need some helpers this morning. So let's start off with Ahaz. Sorry, you get the un... Uh, the dreadful privilege of being King Ahaz. And you can just come on right up here and just stand here. Here we have King Ahaz. Now, I wonder if you've been paying attention all these weeks. 
which kingdom do I always put this crown on? Which kingdom? William? Judah. All right, so Ahaz is a king of Judah. All right, but we got some other kings. Which kingdom do I typically put this crown on? Hannah? Israel. Now I got a harder question. What's another name for the kingdom of Israel? Besides Elijah. Anybody know? Ethan. Ephraim. Very good. Now why do I ask that question? Well, because as you read through your prophets, especially Isaiah, Isaiah doesn't refer to it as Israel. The northern kingdom he refers to over and over and over and over and over as Ephraim. And sometimes he actually refers to other tribes, and this is another reason why you may wonder a long time ago why we spent so much time trying to understand how the tribes were scattered throughout the land and split up in their lands. It helps you to know those tribes because their tribal allotments are still in existence here now, hundreds of years after they were given to those tribes. And sometimes Isaiah refers to those specific tribes, and if you know where they're at on the map, you can know, oh, this is northern kingdom. This is where this is talking about. So who wants, to, who wants to be his majesty, King Pika? You want to be him? Okay, you come on up here. You can be Pika. All right. That fits you well? Okay, you go stand over there. But you know, Pika has some friends. Pika has some friends. Now, I know this hat has been worn by different kings in different kingdoms, but uh, what kingdom is right now pretty prominent in this time period that we've learned a lot about, we keep hearing about? Hannah? Syria, you're right. Who would like to be the king of Syria? Who wants to be the king of Syria? Oh, everybody, I need lots of volunteers here today. Risen, risen king of Syria. Would you like to be the king of Syria? Okay, you come on up here. You can be the king of Syria this morning. And uh, you're friends with Pika. All right, now, these two guys have another friend. And um, his name is Tabiel. And um, you know what I call him? I call him Puppet King. All right? So who would like to be Puppet King? Anybody want to be Puppet King? James, you want to be Puppet King? No, William, you be puppet king. Come, come. You be puppet king. And, um, you know, you all might be wondering, well, he's, if he's puppet king, what is he king over? Ah, and I'm going to let you all into a conspiracy. You know, the word conspiracy gets a bad rap these days because we often associate it as wild, crazy ideas that has no area in fact. But, you know, there are real conspiracies. And I'm going to tell you about one. In this day. So we've got the king of Judah, and we have his majesty, Pekah, king of Israel, or Ephraim, and his majesty, Risen, king of Syria, and puppet king. Well, who's he king of? Let me tell you about the conspiracy. These three have got a plan to go down to Jerusalem. Over there, Judah. And you know what your plan is? You're going to knock him out of the way, and you're going to set him up 
as your puppet king in Jerusalem. That's not their plan? That's their plan. They're going to go and they're going to depose Ahaz, king of Judah, and they're going to set up their own puppet king down there in Judah. So we've got a power struggle here. Three great kingdoms, all very, very powerful kingdoms. Judah, Ephraim, Syria, and here's their puppet king. But there's one other king I need to tell you about. What other kingdom might be around, you know? The kingdom of Assyria. Now, this is fascinating because the kingdom of Assyria, not Syria, but Assyria, is not all that powerful at this time. Now, we look back on history, and we, when we hear of Assyria, we think of the great Assyrian Empire. But at this time in history, it wasn't the great empire. It was a powerful kingdom, but really wasn't that powerful. Who would like to be His Majesty Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria? Look at that cool name you got, Tiglath-Pileser. Who wants to be Tiglath-Pileser? Walter, you want to be Tiglath-Pileser? No, you get to wear a fancy crown. You get to wear a fancy crown. Oh, I sh I'm, I'm getting a nomination here for Charlie. Charlie, you want to be Tiglath-Pileser? Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria. Itifit, don't worry. Well, maybe not. There we go. So here we've got all these kings, and you can, you can just come stand over here. Because see, you're not a part of either of these. But um, I need to give you something. You need something else. You know what he needs? He needs a rod. I'll tell you why you need a rod later. So, who are the kings? What's his name? Ahaz. Pekah. Risen. Puppet. That's good enough. He only appears this one time, so it's not that important. Well, it is important to remember his name, but... And what's this guy? Tiglath-Pileser. That is a cool name. Assyria, Syria, Ephraim, Judah. There's this conspiracy. There's this plot. In fact, this is their plan word for word. Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabiel. There's the plan. <clears throat> well, it tells us in 2 Kings chapter 16 and verse 5 that then risen the king of Syria and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel. By the way, Isaiah all the time refers to Pekah as the son of Remaliah. He never refers to him as Pekah. He refers to him as the son of Remaliah. And um, they come up to Jerusalem to war and they besieged Ahaz. Spoiler alert but could not overcome him. 
could not prevail against him. You know what that means? They couldn't win. But you know what? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, where it tells us the same record. So here we're reading in 2 Kings, we're reading in 2 Chronicles, and it just gives us this little piece of information, and then it just summarizes it and goes on. But Isaiah records more detail of what took place in this event. For he too records this. It came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that arisen the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it. And here again, Isaiah gives you a spoiler, but could not prevail against it. But in the midst of all of this, the news comes to Ahaz, his majesty. For it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. And do you know what this did to King Ahaz? Do you see there in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 2? It says that his heart was moved. And the heart of his people. Now you might say, there's nothing strange about that. My heart moves every time it beats, right? Uh, this isn't that kind of moving. This is the kind of moving that makes you terrified afraid your heart is skipping beats ahaz is terrified in fact it says that they were as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind ever been in a woods and the trees you wind blows through them and you see them creak and move imagine a person that does that Ahaz was terrified. Judah was terrified over what was going on here in all of this situation. And the Lord speaks to Isaiah. And the Lord said to go, Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou and Shirjashem thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. I've got a job. Isaiah has a job to go and meet King Ahaz. And again, who wants to have this job? And I'm supposed to bring my son with me. Now, I have a son here, my oldest son. You gonna come up here and help me? My, my oldest son, did you catch his name? Jirjashub. Do you know what his name means? You've got a special name. In fact, Isaiah named all of his children names that were signs to Israel. My eldest here, Shirashab, his name means a remnant shall return. A remnant shall return. So we're going to go to His Majesty Ahaz. Take heed. 
and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted, for the two tails of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce Ainzer of Risen with Syria and of the son of Remaliah. Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabiel. Thus saith the Lord, It shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is risen, and within three score and five, sixty-five years shall Ephraim be broken, that it be not a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. What did he just call those guys over there? You have those? Oh, where? They're in the room. Oh, Ahaz, I need to show you something. Do you all know what firebrands are? Now, these things aren't smoking anymore, but they were last night, right? These are firebrands. A, a, a firebrand is basically a piece of wood that's on fire. But you know what a smoking firebrand is? Have you ever had a fire? And when it all burned up, there were these little sticks sticking out the side of the fire that didn't burn up all the way? And they're just smoking a little bit there until they finally go out and it didn't burn up like these two sticks didn't burn up? You know what you are? You're just a smoking firebrand. Don't get yourself dirty. That's all you guys are. Now, tell me, is this scary? Well, maybe when it was hot, it was scary. But you took them out of the fire when? Or it burned up overnight, or how did it happen, Nathan? You just lit a fire, they burned up, and you took them out. And they, how long did it take them for it to go out? Ten minutes? Maybe twenty? Not even that. See, God's point to Ahaz is, why are you afraid of these guys? Yeah, they think they're hot stuff. But all they are are the two tails of a smoking firebrand. They think they're on fire. They think they're going to make a breach in you. They think they're going to destroy you. That's, and you're quivering like a tree. What are you afraid of? It's going to pass. They're just smoking firebrands. They're not even in the fire anymore. They're going to go out. You're going to be able to touch them. I mean, in fact, you could, except for, in fact, I'll get dirty. Not, there's, nothing, there's nothing scary about these sticks anymore. So what are you afraid of, Ahaz? 
In fact, the Lord said, thus saith the Lord, verse 7, it shall not stand. Their consul, their conspiracy, their plot, it will not stand, Isaiah tells Ahaz. It's not going to stand, neither shall it come to pass. They are but two tails of a smoking firebrand. Now, it's interesting, even in English now today, we refer to a firebrand as someone who likes to cause trouble, and they're real, they make big scenes and cause lots of trouble. I think a Bible word parallel is one who soweth discord among brethren, comes in and they make a big stir and scare, but then they just wither out, go out. That's what these guys are. They're just firebrands that are going to go out. And notice there at the end of verse 9, what, what? Isaiah told Ahaz, if ye will not believe, surely she shall not be established. He's given him a promise. Will you believe it? Will he believe it? Jesus told, tells us later in history that an unbelieving generation asks for a sign. And God knows, Isaiah knows, Ahaz is not believing this. He's still terrified of these two firebrands. And he's not willing to trust in the Lord. In fact, as he sees what's going on here, he is moving and he is making plans to hire someone to come and help him. Well, here now he has the creator of all, the Lord of hosts, telling him not to be afraid, telling him that it will not stand, telling him to believe. For if he does not, he will not be established. But the Lord and Isaiah, knowing that Ahaz has a problem with belief, moreover, the Lord spake unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. I will not ask. Neither will I tempt the Lord. Hear ye now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? You see, Ahaz has responded here now, not in humility, not in belief, not in some pious spiritual way as, oh, I would not ask a sign. I wouldn't tempt God. We're scoffing. I won't ask a sign. I won't tempt God. How did he say it? However, he said it. The words themselves and the way that he said it greatly disturbed Isaiah. And he called him out for being one who has wearied men. Will he also weary God? Will he weary God? And so Isaiah responded to him with an incredible sign. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give thee a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the evil 
and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. The Lord shall bring upon thee and upon thy people and upon thy father's house days that have not come. From the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, even the king of Assyria, it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall hiss for the fly that is in the othermost part of the rivers of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. And they shall come and shall rest all of them in the desolate valleys and in the holes of the rocks and upon all thorns and upon all bushes. In the same day, the Lord shall shave with a razor that is hired. Namely, by them beyond the river, by the king of Assyria, the head and the hair of the feet, and shall also consume the beard. And it shall come to pass in that day that a man shall nourish a young cow and two sheep, and it shall come to pass for the abundance of milk that they shall give, he shall eat butter for honey and butter. Shall everyone eat that is left in the land, it shall come to pass in that day that every place shall be where there were a thousand vines and a thousand silverlings. It shall even be for briars and thorns. With arrows and with bows shall men come thither, because all the land shall become briars and thorns, and on all hills it shall be digged with the mattock. There shall not come thither the fear of briars and thorns, but it shall be for the sending forth of oxen and for the treading of lesser cattle. Now, there's a lot in that that we don't have time this morning to go into and explain. But what he's basically telling Ahaz, the day is coming when you will not have a king and there won't be a king over here either. And though you hire someone to come and help you, he's going to come and he's going to shave your head and shave your beard, shave you totally. Now, you might all wonder, that sounds weird. You're exactly right. It is weird. Have you ever known people to willingly want to shave their heads? Sometimes. But most of the time, not. You see, to do that to someone is to humiliate them. That was one of the first things they did to people at Auschwitz when they would take the captives, the, the, the Jews and others, to that, that death camp to shave them. It was a sign of humiliating them, putting them down as the lowest of human beings. And God's saying he's going to use the one who's hired to shave Judah all this about what's going on in the land. There's going to be so few people in the land that normally people would have milk and things to sell to other people. But when someone has a cow and the cow brings forth milk and the butter, um, there's not going to be even any other people enough to, 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 to buy the milk. Because even if you're going to be able to have a cow, there won't be enough people to buy, to drink, to eat the milk and the butter from that cow. In fact, Earlier, Isaiah had said that within 65 years, these kingdoms would not be. Did you remember our timeline? Where we were at there? Do you see where the yellow line is compared to 722 B.C.? We're not very far away, are we? 
were far less than the 65 years mentioned here. Trouble is coming. But isn't it interesting that in the midst of this sermon, there's a little boy standing there. I don't know how, if he was a little boy or how old he was, but here he is. A remnant shall return. In the midst of this very sermon to Ahaz, warning of judgment, he brought his son, whom in chapter 8 it says was a sign to Judah that a remnant's going to come back, a remnant's going to return. And did you notice what other prophecy was given there? How many of you caught it? Was there a really famous prophecy there given as a sign? Notice not to Ahaz. Did you notice that? Real close here, notice. This was a sign that was given to the house of David, the Davidic line. What was that? That that a virgin would conceive. That doesn't happen. I don't know if you knew that. But virgins don't conceive. There has to be a mommy and a daddy for there to be a baby, not just a mommy. But here, a virgin will conceive. There's going to be a miracle baby. And the name of this miracle baby, did you see the name? His name will be Emmanuel. How many of you know what Emmanuel means? Oh, good. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. God, the eternal Son of God, we know as Jesus or Yahshua, Jehovah saves, will be born of a virgin. And it's a sign to the house of David that this will happen. That when God says something, it's going to happen. Well, you know what happens now. You guys don't prosper. You just burn out, turn into these smoking, well, not even smoking, cold firebrands. But a message continues on with Ahaz. In fact, the situation here with Ahaz doesn't end here in chapter 7, for it picks up again in chapter 8. Here's my son, Shir Jashub. Thank you. A remnant shall return. There's hope. Shir Jashub. But I'm, I have another task from the Lord. The Lord has told me to take a scroll and write a name in that scroll. This name. And so, Isaiah, he took a writing instrument, and in the presence of witnesses, he took and he wrote this name, Mahashalahashbaz. Poor kid. Well, what kid? Oh, what kid? Well, I write this name in a scroll before witnesses, and then, as you can read my record here in Isaiah chapter 8, I went in unto the prophetess, and she conceived. Notice here, this is not a virgin birth, for Isaiah is the daddy. And then the Lord said to me, call his name Maher Hashbaz. And do you know what that name means? Haste the booty, haste the spoil.
You know what booty and spoil is? The plunders of war. And make it come fast. That's exactly what happens. For Isaiah, I have a son. And God is going to use this son now in the days of Isaiah and the days of Ahaz as a sign to him of the, of the greater son of David that will come, Emmanuel. But because that's not going to come for some time, right now, this little boy has come. Do, do you know how to say daddy? You do? You know how to say mommy? Oh, he's too old already. Let's see here. Most of the children in this room already know how to say mommy and daddy, don't they? Does, um, does Elaine know how to say mommy and daddy already? No, not yet. Very little. This is a very little boy. You're too old. But let's just imagine he's here. A little boy. For God says to Isaiah, Before the child shall have knowledge to cry, My father, my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria shall be taken away before the king of Assyria. Now Isaiah has a son. That means to haste the booty, to haste the spoil. And before that little boy can say, Mommy, can say, Daddy, you're going to come. Tiglath-Pilasar, and you're going to destroy Syria, and you're going to destroy Samaria. That's not very far away. That's why his name is Haste the Booty, Haste the Spoil. It can come fast. We don't have time this morning to go through Isaiah's entire sermon. But Isaiah continues this sermon now, and it continues all the way through chapter 12. And do you know what we do in this sermon? With all of these kings at play, with all of the power struggles between these kings, there's these, all these things going on. There's another king, the one born of a virgin, in play behind the scenes. For as Isaiah continues through this message, he repeatedly refers to this Emmanuel and of who this Emmanuel is. And he's calling to Ahaz, believe the Lord to be established. Say ye not, Isaiah 7, 8, 12, say ye not a confederacy, a confederacy to all them whom this people shall say, a confederacy, neither fear ye their fear nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Hope in him, the Lord. Don't be afraid of Pekah, of Risen. Don't be afraid of Tiglath-Pilasar. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord is the call to Ahaz. And then... Look at chapter 9, verse 2. Isaiah tells Ahaz and the people of Judah about the people walked in great darkness, have seen a great light. 
They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Do you know what this light is? We find out from Simeon in Luke chapter 2 that this great light is the light of the world, Jesus, the Son of God. And as it continues on down here in this, it is referenced to again in verse 6, this king who's not here, this king who will be born of a virgin, who will be called Emmanuel. Isaiah continues to explain this king to Ahaz, for he tells him in chapter 9 and verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forevermore. That's certainly not talking about you. As he trembles like a tree in fear of the firebrands, How's this going to happen? How's this going to happen? Look at the end there, verse 7. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Do you see the contrast between Ahaz, the trembling king because of the smoking firebrands, to the Emmanuel, the prince of peace? There's so much here to preach in this chapter. Chapter 9 and into chapter 10, Isaiah reminds Ahaz and Judah of judgments to come, four great judgments for their sin. And at the end of each of those four judgments in verses 12 and 17 and 21 and 10 verse 4, he repeats this, for all this his anger is not turned away, but his, the Lord's hand, is stretched out still. The Lord is going to judge Judah. And get this, in chapter 10, verse 5, he says, Oh, Assyrian, oh, Assyrian, the rod of mine anger, the Lord is speaking. And he says, Assyrian, you are the rod of mine anger, and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. I will send him against an hypocritical nation. And against the people of my wrath will I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire in the streets. Albeit, he thinks it's all him and doesn't realize that I'm working through him. And he goes far beyond in his cruelty and judgment. There's a lot more here that I'm skipping over and over summarizing. God is saying judgment's coming, judgment coming, warnings. All of this is to call Ahaz and the nation of Israel to look to the Lord, to believe what God has said. In fact, in chapter 10, there's the guarantee and promise. If you look at verse 20, it shall come to pass in that day, a special day, that the remnant of Israel, such as are escaped as the house of Jacob, shall no more again stay unto him that smote them. They're not going to rely upon Assyria or 
by extension here, Babylon also, if you know your history, but shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. Isaiah promises, remember, my son, the remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. Who was the mighty God in the sermon? That child that will be born. Oh, whose kingdom will be without end. And as we find, as we continue on, and we turn into chapter 11, right now, picture Ahaz. He's trembling as a tree because of those smoking firebrands. Pekah and Rezin of Syria. And here now, a kingdom is contrasted. Look, look here now. As we're, we're described to the Emmanuel king in chapter 11. In chapter 11, it tells us that this Emmanuel, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove the equity for the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with a rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He shall slay the wicked. All righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Now get this here in next verse. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. Wait a minute. Those animals do not hang out together, do they? Nathan, do the cows hang out with the lions? No. How many of you know about cows hanging out with lions? Or sheep hanging out with goats. How many of you ever seen a little child leading a little puppy dog? You ever seen that? Well, check this out. Hey, Philip, would you like to be that little boy? Well, I'm not sure it's a little boy. That looks a little bit like, like your sister, doesn't it? Do you think your sister would like to be that little girl? What do you think, Philip? Why not? That looks like fun. How many of you think that looks like fun? Would you know what's being described here? There's nothing to worry about. The little child's going to take care of the sheep and the cow and the goats. And oh, look at that. The scary cats aren't scary anymore. Why? That sounds like a great kingdom, Ahaz. This is a pretty big deal, isn't it? Wow, this Emmanuel is going to be awesome. Oh, we're not done. Look, look here, chapter 11 and verse 7. It says, And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. Have you ever seen a lion eat straw? I one time went to a lion preserve in South Africa, and they, I got there just in time to see them feed them. And they weren't eating grass. It was kind of scary. We were up on these catwalks. You know, catwalks are where the cats are, but we were in the catwalks, and they were down there, and we thought we were safe until the chickens showed up, and they'd take these chickens on the catwalk, and they'd throw them up in the air, and the catwalks were up already about 14 feet. And they throw these, cat, these chickens into the air, and then the lions, they, they jumped to get the chicken. And I'm up on the catwalk, and I'm looking at them right there. Just right there. And I was like, I feel like um, this catwalk is not very safe. 
wise don't eat straw like an ox. But in this day, when Emmanuel is reigning as king, they will. I mean, whoever thought of the cow and the bear hanging out, eating, and their kids playing together in the grass. Ah, but it will be when Emmanuel is king. Oh, 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 but we're not done. We, see, we have this famous picture, huh? Thought of a lion and a lamb. It's actually a wolf and a lamb that's laying down with each other, but the lion and the lamb comes too. But, but, there, but there's another picture here. Check out this. How many of you think that's an awesome picture? That's my little girl, Faith, 10 years ago. How many of you think that's an awesome picture? You don't like that picture? I love that picture. I love this picture. I had to beg my wife to put this composite together. She was horrified that I wanted to do this. I love this picture. You know why I love this picture? Because I would never think of that today. That would horrify me today. But you know why I love this picture? It's because in the kingdom, when Jesus Christ reigns as king of kings and Emmanuel, my little faith, my little Joanne now, will be able to do that. That's what it says. Look, look. Verse 8, And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp. Oh, that's the nursing child. I mean, you see the nursing child, they, they don't even quite know how to even move their hands. And how many of you would let your kids hang out at his house? No worries in that day. In fact, it says the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. Ah, how about this guy? Your kid comes home and says, Mommy, Daddy, I have a new friend. I have a new friend. I love playing peekaboo with them. He sticks his head out of his hole and I cover it up and then we play peekaboo. And then you say, Well, what's this friend's name? Oh, it's a cockatrice. You all go, Where is that thing? We're going to go chop its head off. But not in the day when Emmanuel is king of kings. The weaned child is going to play with the venomous snakes. I, that's, I, by the way, all my kids know this. I hate snakes. That's why I find this so exciting. I hate snakes. I even hate the ones that aren't venomous. Verse 9, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, God says. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Oh, there's, there's so much more, but let's, jip, let's skip to Isaiah's conclusion of this sermon. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. 
Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. What a song of praise to the Lord Jehovah. This is the sermon for Ahaz. What a day. Oh, we got to get that off the picture up there because that's just too scary nowadays. Of course, that might be too. Well, we'll put it up there and just imagine it's already happened. Oh, what a day. Oh, what a day. And all of these promises have now been given as a sign. As a sign to you, Ahaz. Believe the Lord so that you can be established. Trust in him. Turn from your wickedness, your evil ways. Oh, Isaiah went through and talked about some of the laws this guy writes. Ooh, it's scary. Oh, and Isaiah says, trust in the Lord. Don't be afraid of the two smoking firebrands, pecan risen. Trust the Lord. But as we close, I want to tell you what Ahaz did. Look with me. You have to look with me. At Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 2. Because I'm going to read to you how Ahaz responded to this sermon. Behold, Ahaz says, Tiglath-Pilaser is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Tiglath-Pilaser is my strength and my song. Tiglath-Pilaser also is become my salvation. Is that what the verse says? No. But that's what Ahaz did. Even when he was warned that Tiglath-Pilaser would be like a razor that would shave him in shame, Ahaz goes and hires Tiglath-Pilaser, and he does not obey nor trust the Lord. This morning, who are you trusting? Yourself? Your parents? Your friends? Or the Lord? Trust in Him. He is salvation. Father, Thank you for your word, and thank you for giving Ahaz this sign, preaching this sermon through Isaiah to Ahaz, that it might by extension be for all of us. May we take heed and learn that we put not our trust in ourselves or in men, that we fear not men, but that we trust you. Oh, Emmanuel, we look for that day when you come back. Lord Jesus, even so, come quickly. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.